0: Hey friends, Editor Senda here. Really quickly, we forgot to say this during the show, so I wanted to jump in and give you a heads up. Today's episode is dropping on Wednesday, July 13th. There will be no episode on Wednesday, July 20th because summer vacations are happening. Summer vacations are great, but we won't be recording because we won't be in town. So we will be back. Um, with you with our normal episode on a wednesday july 27th enjoy all have a wonderful summer and uh we'll see you when we're back
1: hey senda
0: hey phil
1: hey guess who got too busy to write show notes this week was it you totally me <laughs> want to do a chit chat
0: yeah let's do a chit chat
1: cue music And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host who booked too many things to do this week and didn't get around to writing the show notes, Phil.
0: And I'm your other host, Zenda, who made a corset.
1: Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, Hey, um... (laughs) No surprise, based on the intro, this week is a chit chat episode for any new listeners. Our chit chat is not our normal format. This is a somewhat improv format um, when we don't have time to prepare a formal episode, which is usually based on one of um, your questions or suggestions. And the chit chat episode has a general format uh, that we borrow from our friends over at the Gauntlet, uh, where we talk about, we each talk about a thing in gaming that's giving us life. Uh, And a thing outside of gaming that's giving us life. Um, And for the gaming part, we try to inject a little uh, discussion about some RPG theory or other things like that, just so that it's not just us talking about gaming stuff, but stuff that you can actually uh, take away as advice.
0: You know what we should do? I so love so. I love when we make show decisions on air, right? But but like, bear with me. And I don't think we should change anything about this episode. We've already made up our minds. We already know Does what we're going to talk about. Is this about. the
1: thing we could talk about in the lounge?
0: It maybe is, but I'm just going to say it. What if we <laughs> changed our chit chat format to be what is giving us life in gaming? What in life is giving us game?
1: That seems kind of weird.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we'll discuss
1: it. We'll discuss that later. We're going to have to. Well, out what well, that in, means. In, the, in the next production meeting, we'll figure <laughs> out what that means. I, I mean, I like the catchy wordplay.
0: Right. I'm right. just not
1: sure how to turn it out into something that I could discuss. No, like, we'll,
0: we'll chat about it because I have some thoughts, but we are, we're, we're not going to waste.
1: We're not our, doing that this time. week, folks. <laughs> no. This week, it's what's given us life in yes. gaming and out of gaming and send Yes. What is giving you life in gaming? Okay, so
0: this last Thursday, um, I sat down with my group and we did our session zero for Brindlewood Bay, which I am so excited about.
1: I, I mean, it's such a great, uh, it's such a great um, game. You know, I had a chance to um, interview Jason Cordova on on the Misdirected Mark. And um, I love Jason as a game designer. I love Jason as a human and as a GM. And um, if this game does everything, which I think it will, that is basically how Jason likes to run games. You guys are going to have such a delightful time.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I'm not going to lie. Like, I've always been interested in the concept of Brindlewood Bay, like since I first heard of it. Um, I was like, that game sounds awesome and cute, and I sh- it, it's been sort of on my list, right? But your interview on Misdirected Mark reprioritized where it was on my list because of some specific things um, that you discussed, like how the mysteries work, right? So there are mm-hmm. some things that I am so excited about how this game works mechanically um, that I'm just thrilled. But anyway, so the the key thing about in terms of giving me life in gaming is we sat down, we did our session zero, Um, there are two parts to this that are giving me life firstly for the first time in quite a while we both had all of our group present and we were the the folks who are local to me we were in person right so two like that like ah I I love my boys a lot (laughs) and it's really great to see them so um, so it was a really fantastic to get to see people in person and to actually have everybody like we've been kind of losing a little bit, bit of momentum. Like you hit summer, summer vacation is happening. People have kids, people have vacations. It's like, it's been trickier, right? Um, so, so that's been a thing. So it was really, really great because we got everybody together. We did the session zero. Um, I'm so excited to play this game because of the session zero. Um, we made it the, we made all of these fantastic little old ladies, Um, But I think the thing that I really want to tease out of the experience in terms of um, something that you can take away with you um, is part of the reason that I'm really excited about how our session zero went um, was that as a crew, like we tend to not make safe choices in character design, um, by which I mean if there are um, multiple options for how something could go, which of course there are, because you're making a character, right? Like your, your options are are infinite within the bounds of the game and, and the genre and the discussions that you've had, right? Um, so sometimes you can make a safe choice. You can be like, oh yes, she's a little old lady who lives with 30 cats, right? And that's that's like not a wrong choice. That's not a bad choice even. But... Um, we've ended up with a table of little old ladies who, like, I'm not sure if one of them is maybe not in witness protection or, like, left a gang is in hiding. Like, it's really Love not it. clear, but there's Love something it. happening there, right? Um, and, you know, we have another um, older lady who's a husband, you know, he seems to have fallen overboard on a cruise when no one was around to see it. And um what's interesting about that is that she's convinced he's going to show back up, but there's something really fishy going on with her son who is a senator <laughs> and like he's like not giving her the family money that's in the will and like all sorts of stuff. So like we we before we even actually got to the mysteries, there are like mysteries that are inherent to the people that we're playing that I am very confident are going to end up coming up. Um and then and then other things that are just, like, really interesting choices, like, um, Wen is playing a little lady whose cozy hobby is uh, taxidermied squirrels. That's
1: <laughs> like, great.
0: What? So when we were adding things to Wen's characters, like, cozy place house, one of the things that he ended up with is that he has, like, a taxidermy closet, like, you know, a metal murder room, basically. Oh, (laughs)
1: boy. um, (laughs) Yeah, sure, you're going to be solving mysteries, not committing mysteries?
0: (laughs) I'm like, we all sound like we're the suspects on this, uh, but so it's really funny. Um, So it was really delightful because in a lot of ways, like, we just made some really interesting characters that I'm really interested to find out more about, and it's going to have such a cool result like when this stuff that is just our personal lives right starts running into the actual mysteries and then on top of that the potential of the Lovecraftian elements and like sort of the the supernatural that is inherent to this game like when those things start colliding it's gonna get really wild
1: (laughs) it's excellent
0: I'm so excited anyway um so I I think I think that the the real thing um, that I am I'm pointing at here is, um, you know, it is fantastic when you feel um, safe and comfortable too, and when you have trust with the people that you're playing with, to make interesting choices. And it's something that I strive for it ev- in in every game that I play. And it's easier even at tables of new people because I have a lot of experience doing it now at a table of people that I do just implicitly trust. Um, so it's easier for me to even sit down at a table of complete strangers and still make interesting decisions um, that do not necessarily help my character, right? They probably complicate things for my character. Um, and that's okay, right? Like I'm I'm here for that. Um and then and, and yeah, I guess I don't know. What 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 else can I really say about that? No, it's l- cool. It's fun. So let's it's
1: yeah, Let's talk about that for people who might not be um, who might not be comfortable with it, right? Like, sure. you. This is a thing you and I are both very comfortable with. It's a thing we've been doing for years in our games. But let's just talk about it for in terms of somebody who might not have done it before. So, the idea that we're talking about here is, if I'm you know if I'm reading you correctly, is uh, making what I would consider. I don't want to use unsafe because that ties to safety, but let's yes, just say. Different. And I don't want to say suboptimal because it's not like you're optimizing mechanics here, but you are creating background elements that are guaranteed to make complications for your character's life. 100%. Um, right. And so this, so this is, again, a thing that I don't think everybody is comfortable with. And I think largely this has to do um, in part with trust and in part with the game that you're playing, right? So trust with your group, with your GM, that kind of thing. Because, I mean, here's the idea. When you create this kind of background, you are you are handing the GM an ability to complicate your ability, like complicate your story. Now, in a high trust environment, we understand complication to be complicate as make more interesting. Yes. Right. In a low trust environment, complicate gets translated to hinder, thwart or stymie. My player's pro- my my character's progress.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yes, right. And mm-hmm.
1: so, what what we're talking about here is like your group because you've had this group for a while. You have this, you know, you have this. Um, you've played a bunch of games together. You have a lot of trust in each other. You have a play style that you all buy into, and part of that play style is interesting stories with interesting character um, dilemmas, choices, things like that, and the kind of implied social contract here is that the, you will provide some interesting stuff and with enough trust, you trust that the GM will use this for, to make things interesting and not to, uh, thwart or stymie you.
0: Right. Not to be punitive. And I think, so there's, there's two angles we can also discuss this from. The first one is from a purely gaming perspective, right? Um, This requires that you do not adhere to the stereotype of the adversarial GM, right?
1: I mean, 100%.
0: If you are like, we're the players and they're the game master, and the game master, like the game master versus the players, this is not going to be a positive experience for you, right? Like, it's just not because. Um, And and that's that's like a a thing that if you have been playing like that and you need to make a transition from playing like that, it will take time to build up that trust and it will take time to change that play style on both sides. Right. Because there is and, and it's, you know, games that are, you know, a more adversarial GM. It's not that they can't be also fun and entertaining. Right. Um, that's not where I am getting my fun right now. My preference is for this collaborative storytelling. So the second piece from a gaming perspective is that my group tends to um, prioritize the, the, quote, cool factor of the overall story over positive outcomes for any individual character. There are frequently times when the coolest way the story can go is, is a bad outcome for one of our player characters. And and when I say this, I mean this on a scale from like, oh, the scene didn't go well to like, you know, they died, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah. oh, and this is the awesome way in which I go out, right? Like, you know, um, our cartel game, <laughs> a lot of bodies hit the floor, right? Um, yeah. And we expected that going in and, and that has happened in other games too. Um, and like, uh, monster hearts, um, Quincy actually wrote himself out of the game early, um, because the story arc for the ghost was fulfilled, right? Mm-hmm. Like we completed that arc. Um, and so that, like, that was a an interesting piece of that, how that all worked mechanically because there was a lot of like, this character's story is done. Um, and we're not really here for like dragging it out or like play the cool story, the part that you're interested in, and then we move on, right? Um so it is also not scary from that perspective because even if something bad happens to my character, A, I love this game. If you haven't looked into Brindlewood Bay, like the 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 mechanics for how quote death stuff works are <laughs> really cool. Um, so I'm not scared of it from a mechanical perspective. But I'm also not scared of letting bad things happen to my character in a game with these people, right? Like, that's just an overall thing.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's not a thing that you can magically, um, it's not a thing you can just magically do. So, like, let's say you're playing with a group um, that you've got, you know, not a lot of trust in. It's not like you can just magically turn this thing on. Yeah. It really is a kind of group level decision uh, that this is a direction you guys want to go in because it makes things more dramatic. Right, there are there are games where maybe you don't want things more dramatic, like maybe you don't want like some you know reveal about who's sleeping with whose spouse in the middle of a dungeon, right? Like, I mean, you know, I do. That you sounds do, fantastic, hundred percent, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, in I fact, actually, as mid- I said it, I was like, yeah, I was as like I was, "Oh man!" I was like, "No, that would be fun." Like,
0: M- imagine mid combat, this comes out, and for yes. the rest of combat, you're both having combat and also that conversation. Frankly, you just made that dungeon like ten times more interesting to me. Yeah, <laughs> for you, I did
1: absolutely right. Um, so, to get back to this, the way that you kind of approach this is that this really has to come in the beginning when you want to establish this as a discussion, right? And it needs to uh, come as an agreement that um, you as players will come up with interesting and complicated things in your background to make your characters messy, right? Yes. IE provide potential. And the GM will make a promise to use that to make things interesting. Now the GM's going to have to learn the skill of how to make things interesting, right? Because what we're talking about here is create complications in a way that doesn't, um, stop the forward progression of the rest of the story,
0: right, and is not um, punitive
1: and right. not punitive, right? And so aGM will have to learn that skill over time, and it is very learnable, um, and it's very easy to do this in small batches because you can do that like you you can do this in um I'm going to just finish this thought really quick. You could do this for, say, let's just pick d and d right because I'm gonna pick on d and d because it's a game that's not usually associated with high, complicated drama, but If you wanted to practice this, you could start by keeping the drama out of the dungeon, Mm -hmm. right? And doing your normal dungeon crawl and fight monsters, explore, get treasure and stuff like that. But like when you go back to town, like there's family and NPCs and it's all complicated, messy and whatever. And so you wind up with this kind of beat structure in your game where the dungeon stays pretty, um, you know, core D&D and you can experiment with a kind of more low stakes messy personal drama stuff in a place where there isn't a beholder with a disintegration ray ready to like you know wipe you guys or tpk a party And you can kind of ease into it. And then, like, from there, you can, like, start blending that, right? You can start having some of the drama carry over to the other part of the game or whatever. But it's just, like, that framework is, like, a nice way to kind of ease into and, like, play practice in a low-stakes environment. Because you don't have to have super high stakes to have drama.
0: You do not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I was going to say, and and this is sort of part two, and I have lucked into a group because we didn't... um, I don't know, actually, I didn't do it by design, but like as the group was originally created, I think it probably fed into who was selected, right? Um, But the other piece of this is what we are doing in a large way when we make interesting decisions, both in terms of what our characters decide to do and in terms of who our characters are, um, what we're really doing is a specific improv skill about always making the interesting choice right? Like which choice is more interesting. So the other thing that I will just throw out there is I think you can still or- pre-order um, Improv for Gamers too, right? Mm-hmm. Which is coming soon and has all sorts of online components. So if the pandemic prevented you from engaging in the original Improv for Gamers, um, this one has a bunch more stuff that is meant to also work online. Um, Karen 12s is fantastic. I have like one sentence in this book. <laughs> but I'm really excited about it um, because I am totally into um, this style of play um, tends to feel a lot more like um, stage improvisation from the perspective of making interesting choices um, and the, like the kind of decision-making process and the group trust um, that are required to make improv work, right? So this is where we get into the idea that improv skills are a practicable and um, repeatable thing that you can learn and then you can get better at and they are a skill that your brain does, right? So it's a muscle that you can strengthen if you want to. And what's interesting from that perspective, from the improv perspective, is that um, being able to trust the people that you are sitting down with, whether you know them or not. Um, but I mean, understanding there's a whole there's layers to this, right? There's safety, there's etc. But like being able to trust them to the extent that you is you know safe and comfortable for you in a gaming environment, um, by just sitting down with them, is also a skill that you can pick up with from improv, right? Because if I walk into an improv space and we all know that we're there to improv, right? Then I can give a certain amount of trust immediately to these people. Obviously like not my deepest, darkest self, right? Like y- you have to draw your own boundaries about the level of trust that, are, that is safe and comfortable for you. But um, it is totally possible to do this with people that you don't know as well as long as you have kind of that table agreement that this is a game that runs like that right? That we are sitting down and we trust each other and we're all in this. So, um, anyway, so that's, that is the two perspectives, right? From the gaming perspective, this is about, um, mechanical support. It's about trust at the table. Um, and you know, you can build that trust. You can practice those skills, um, and, and, and how they interact with games that may not necessarily inherently mechanically support them. Um, But then from the other side, this is the point where gaming and improv truly intersect. Um, Frequently, we talk about them as very similar items. And I know we've talked about this before. Um, Depending on your style of gaming, they intersect more or less. At my table, there is very strong intersection because of the high trust and because we prioritize making interesting choices cool absolutely i'm very excited about this game i'm always very excited about session zero because we have these fantastic session zeros
1: Um, well i think that's like i mean i i mean i think that is a that's a good sign right like you want to leave your session zero excited and ready to play
0: to play especially because we're a bi-weekly group so like the excitement has to carry us through two weeks right to get us back around again um and I will just say one more thing on this, and then I'm going to ask you, because we've talked about mine for a long time, <laughs> um, but the one more thing that I will say is, if you want to hear me talk more about Session Zeros, you can catch it over on the GM Mastermind Podcast. Um, just came out a couple of weeks ago. I sat down with um, a couple of Sean P.
1: Kelly and a few others, folks.
0: right? Yeah, Golden Lasso Girl and, um, and Jared Rasher, um, and talked Session Zeros, so you can get... More thoughts of mine, if you desire them. But Phil, what is giving you life in gaming?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I'm going to talk about something that um, uh, gave me life and then accidentally took it away.
0: Right. It's almost more of a lesson learned moment in gaming.
1: (laughs) It is. It is. But I want to use it for today because I think it's a good...
0: I think it's good, too. Topic yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think, you know, we've we've talked on, on this show and on other shows about the GM high, right? That kind of excitement you get after GMing a really good session. You feel really good. You're kind of pumped. The flow um,
0: state feel. Yeah,
1: the flow state, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, the flow state feel from running like a really good game. And also like that kind of emotional, um, for me, like knowing that people like had a good time, right? Yeah. Like that's very much a... Um, thing about my GMing is like I am here to provide a good experience, and so when I do and people enjoy it, that makes me feel really good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I ran a game of Ox that went exceedingly well, yeah. uh, mechanically and storywise. Like I really liked, um, like I really liked how all of it came out. Like it was kind of a really good um, blending of bringing together the like a really solid story element with some really fun mechanical problems for the players. Yeah. Played out great. Characters had a good time. Ended the game feeling pretty good about it. Had some extra time because it was um 3rd of July. So we all had the fourth off. Right. So after we finished kind of breaking down the table and cleaning up, wound up and sitting around for another hour. Um, doing a far more deeper critique of the game session plus like some of the up previous sessions and like, it was really good. Like it was good to like kind of hear like what, you know, didn't work, what worked, um, you know, what could have been better, those kinds of things. Right. I'm a big proponent of learning, um, like learning from my players through play, um, But what happened was, by the time everybody left, I had lost my GM high. Yeah. Because I suddenly started wondering, like, were people really enjoying the game? Like, from all this critique and all this stuff, like, you know, are we, you know, am I doing it wrong? Is this game any good? Should I just, you know, can this game? You know the downward, like the death spiral of, you know, the loss of confidence death spiral that goes um, with GMing. Yes. So... And it hit me hard enough that I like didn't do anything else for the rest of the night. Like I just hit the couch and like watched some TV and fell asleep and then went to bed kind of thing. And even the next morning, I wasn't feeling fantastic. Like I'd really lost all my GM high. And so um, having learned through therapy not to let something like this stew, I jumped onto Slack where we have a Slack room for our game. And I was like, hey like I ended the night without my GM high feeling and I really just need to know, like, is this game working? And I get an overwhelming response from the players. No, absolutely. It was a great session. Like we had, we had a fun time. Everything I had just said earlier about the session, yeah. they also reiterated to me. And it was Chris who said, I think it was a mistake to do the deep critique if what you are looking for, like, do the deep critique right after the game. Directly. If, after what if, if what you are looking for from the game is that emotional high. Like, and, and I thought about it and I was like, ah, oh. I'm like, I think that's exactly the problem is that I really appreciate the deep critique, but I've been doing it with Chris specifically for this game. I've been hanging out with him the Monday after the game. Right and talking about the game in more depth. And actually from those discussions with Chris is what actually has helped me shore up the game, like tighten up how the mechanics and the story work and just some general tricks on getting Cortex Prime to be um, like just to run better, be a little more challenging, that kind of thing. And, And the result of it being this last session that was really good. And I don't feel terrible after I have those critiques because the night before, like we had a really good session. Right. Everybody had you fun, got, and you, I had that GM high.
0: You, had, you got to keep the glow, right?
1: Yeah. And so, the the takeaway from this is that it's. Imp- I think as a GM, it's important to know what you want, what you want from the end of your session, and how you want to handle um, handle slash do critique. And I'll, I'll address both parts of that. So, think about how like what you want to get from your game like when the game is over what is it you want like i know for me i love the gm high it's
0: really good right right
1: i love the flow state part of it of you know during the game but i also really appreciate that i have provided a good experience right this is very much a um this is very much a um like core piece of my personality, right so it, it like it this isn't just a gaming thing this is very much this is why I like being a project manager right um this is you know this is why i'm a big proponent of servant leadership um it affects a couple of other things that i'm you know into about me um I think those who know <laughs> if you know you know um it you know it's very much that, and it very much comes down to I like to. Um, I like to host a um good experience, be helpful, you know, that kind of thing for, you know, people. So I need that coming out of my game. Um, I don't need my ego stroked. I don't need like I used to, right? I used to need my ego stroked or, you know, that kind of thing, or be told like, oh, you're a great GM or whatever. Like, I, I don't particularly care if I'm a good GM, great GM. What I care about is did you all have a good time because if you had a good time me too yeah for the most part right there are there are these there are yeah. these cases where that's not 100% true but for the most part if you had a good time i had a good time mm-hmm. um, and that and that means something like for me so what it what it tells me is that on one hand i need this emotionally from jamming right i need to uh, i need to feel good right? I need to feel like I provided a good experience. On the other hand, I'm also a big proponent of, um, continuous improvement, right? I have never peaked as a GM. I have never like been the best GM I could be. I am a work in progress, 40 years running. Um, and even more so because I just change up games all the time. Right? So I really need and really like that critique and like, Chris is somebody I'm very comfortable getting that critique from because we have um, we have worked on projects together before. We have done writing critiques for each other and things like that. Um, and I can handle it. Yeah. Right? Um, it's also, in this case, one-on-one, which also, I think, helps me as well because I don't feel ganged up on. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, I've realized that, like, these two things do not need to occur in the same space. They do
0: not. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And that actually allowing me to have the emotional fulfillment, which um, goes to some things that we talked about on misdirected Mark, like a couple of months ago about the GM energy loop. And you just talked about it too, right? Like that, like that high that kind of carries you into the next session. (laughs) I totally need that. Yes. But at the same time, especially with a new game, right? Especially as I'm trying to learn and make cortex like a good, like a good experience. I do need that good critique and I'm just learning, and this is my takeaway from this, those should be separated. Yeah. For at least for me. For, it could, yeah. like, some people, N- some might, people be might be totally be cool with it, but for me, it is very much a, um, for me, it is very much like, I hope you had a good time. And then later,
0: later, let's talk. How about could I
1: make it an even better time?
0: Yeah. Um, it was really, so from my perspective, it was really interesting because um, I, was kind of with you as you were creating the notes, and it sounded like a great session to me. Mm-hmm. And you were very excited to run it. And then I wasn't at the table, and I also, of course, wasn't at the critique because I'm not physically in the same space. Sure. Um, and and then I talked to you after, and I was like, "What happened?" Like, <laughs> yeah, because you sounded like you sounded on the phone like the game had crashed and burned and i was like what? cuz exactly. i it was like there was no way that that session flopped this badly, right? Yeah. So i i am glad that you kind of figured out where that um where that drop came from.
1: Yeah, and and, and i didn't even figure it out, right? I just um the thing that I managed to do, right. Which is like a product of having an enough therapy yeah. was to not be afraid to talk ask, about yeah. my feelings. Right. Yes. And just ask like, Hey, I need to know this. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I did. Right. So, and, and it was good. It, like that actually, um, that actually was really helpful and kind of helped me to understand, um, how, especially in the future. And especially as I like kind of, you know, make this more of an effort what kind of feedback do i want like i probably don't want um like a rose and thorns Mm -hmm. i probably want a stars and wishes yeah i think kind of yeah um format right like stars and wishes is probably a much better thing for me um than roses and thorns because um i don't know in the moment if i want to receive harsh or you know potentially harsh um not um, critique. Not sure I do want to later. Yeah. Right. I definitely want to later. And that's okay. I just I want to have my high. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would like and then I'm ready to get to work. Yes. Yeah. I just don't I just realized in that moment I should never combine those two efforts. Yeah. yeah. So it's I guess my takeaway for this is it's important to understand what your emotional needs are from GMing. Yeah. What is it you like from
0: gaming in general? Um,
1: Yeah, from gaming in general. What is it you need? What do you want when you walk away from the table? Because that's important. What feeling do you want to walk away with? And then how does the environment, how what you do in the game and after the game, how does that shape that feeling?
0: Yeah, because it's definitely the feeling that I walk away from the table with. If it consistently is not the feeling that I want or doesn't feel good, that's when that game dies. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like that's how you kill a game. You don't get what you want out of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. It's good. All right. It's good self... Re- it's retrospective. It's good self-reflection. It's good stuff. Yeah. Good to know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Senda, mm-hmm. what is giving you life outside of gaming?
0: Well, um, so I think I have to say two things, but I won't linger on the first one for a super long time. First of all, Ms. Marvel is like my favorite... <laughs> And I haven't seen this week's episode yet because I'm trying not to watch it without my kiddo because he's really enjoying it too. Um, and then like the timing has just not worked out because um, he's at his dad's on Wednesday and then Thursday is game night and then he ended up at his dad's on Friday because we rearranged things to do the Renaissance Festival the day he's normally at his dad's. You know, it's been complicated. We haven't been able to watch the most recent one yet and I'm like twitching. I'm like, oh God, I need to watch it. But I have managed to resist because I promised him I wouldn't watch it without him. Anyway. This Marvel is so good. And if you are not watching it, um all I can do is highly recommend it. It is truly a magnificent show. And um I am worried that it is not getting the acclaim and numbers that it should. Um and I really would like to encourage everyone to engage with it if you can, because it's so freaking good. Anyway, um, so that's one. Um, Two, the other thing that just keeps happening is that um, Andy and I were like, boy, we just need some like brain candy TV because the world has been a lot and like there has to be a relaxed place. Um, There has to be some way Mm -hmm. that we relax in the evenings because you cannot just maintain that um, connection in that ongoing level of frustration, rage, stress, fear, et cetera, right? Like that, that stress level is not maintainable. It's not healthy to maintain it. And it's miserable. Um, and the end result is that, um, we were like, oh, we've, we've already watched all the, the game changer stuff like multiple times. Um, so we just want something that's like that. And then I was like, huh, I wonder if we could get Whose Line Is It Anyway anywhere. And the answer is you can get a bunch of seasons of Whose Line Is It Anyway uh, on Hulu. Um, Oh, there you go. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like a lot of it on Hulu, the original British one, which chef's kiss, right? Um, So we keep watching two or three episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway um, at night and laughing our asses off. And it is still 90% funny. It is from the 90s. So, boy, every now and then, something comes up that we're like, yikes! (laughs) Um, So I I can't, like, just say, oh, yeah, it's great. Like, every now and then, it's like, wow, like, you know, the conversations that we have around mental health, around gender, around sexuality, like, all of these things have evolved significantly in the last 30 years.
1: I mean, Um, there's the, I mean... I mean, there's, I think, really, I think that there's really the kicker, right? Like, because you're a millennial and I am a Gen Xer, there is this um, tendency for us to think the 90s were 10 years ago. Yeah, um, but it's and been they've 30 worked. years. <laughs> right. And so for without a doubt, right, without a doubt, our views on many of those topics over 30 years have absolutely
0: um, shifted, yeah,
1: have shifted, have gained nuance, have gained depth, have yeah. gained understanding. Um, to the point where now, like, like it, you know, the material becomes cringeworthy. But yeah, I mean, it, it, like, it happened at a time, and I'm not justifying any of the reason it happened. I'm just saying, like we're better at this. We're
0: hopefully we're better better at understanding. And hopefully we will continue to like that trajectory. Like, right. Like this is not a one and done, like, Oh, I'm better than the nineties. And so I'm perfect. Right. But like it is a, a continuous process of improvement.
1: I mean, I shudder Um, to think that 30 years from now, if somebody listens to this podcast, they might be like, Oh, I can't believe they talked about like, you know,
0: sometimes I'm scared of stuff. We might've said like five years ago. Like, I don't know if that's still Good or not? Like, well, and it
1: might not be. We can't fix 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 things we recorded in the past. We
0: We can only be be better going forward. And I don't think we should like, you know. Anyway, I mean it's not about a cover-up. Um
1: but No, it's just it's the it's the challenge of and I don't and I have no expertise in this, right? So it is the challenge of viewing media from the past and how to deal with like those things. Right. And so it's like you said, like there are just some times in the show where it's like, like shows very funny. And then and that then part is that part
0: is not funny. Right. Because like, yeah. and, and, and this is something we actually talked about with Alex Roberts, like years ago at Metatopia, right. Is that humor is amazing. And people tend to think that because it's funny, it's safe. Right. That yeah. like that horror is a more inherently unsafe experience than humor. But In fact, um, humor, especially improvised humor, has so much potential to go really wrong in any moment. Um, And, you know, so when we talk about safety in gaming, and if you have played the new fiasco with cards that, um, you know, that Alex worked on... um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, how do you manage safety when people are just improvising for the next funny line and it might not land, right? Or it might be really bad and then you have to bring it back in because it came out um, before it was all the way thought through, whatever it was, right? Like humor has a lot of potential for pitfalls. And so, you know, it just is one of those things where every now and then something comes up and so we're like, yee, and then that 30 seconds is just not funny. There's a cringe. And then they move on to something else. Because the good thing about Whose Line Is It Anyway? Is that it's all bits, right? And it's bit after bit after bit. So if one bit is cringeworthy, the next bit is probably fine. Yep. It's like 30 seconds of yike, that's the 90s. And then we move on from there. Um,
1: Yikes, that's the name, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yikes, that's the 90s. Yeah.
0: Every now and then they do like a game that we're like... Oh, the whole that whole game and you know but fortunately the game only lasts like a minute or two right but we're like yeah you're making fun of how a language sounds for example um in a way that makes me exceedingly uncomfortable um and i'm not enjoying this um like we don't do that like we just we don't do that right like that's ugh um And then we move on and they get to something funny. So all of that to say, it is giving me life, both from the perspective Mm -hmm. of, like, I love watching improv shows. I love engaging in improv games. Like, improv is a thing that I love doing. I think it's part of a lot of what I personally get out of gaming. Obviously, you know, talking about, you know, my session zero um, that I was talking about earlier. And just, like, the experience of that collaborative um, storytelling slash like you know pushing things further together as a group um is something that i really enjoy and when it comes right down to it i enjoy doing it i I enjoy watching other people do it um i enjoy listening to people do it right like this is why i'm obsessed with campaign podcast um sure you know absolutely all of these things um it is a medium that i enjoy engaging with um and so I have really been liking watching his line. Is it anyway? I found the episode that had Eddie Azard on it and I was like, oh my gosh, I love him so much. Anyway, um, that wasn't even words, but, uh, it was very exciting. Um, and I was like, he's wearing pants. That's a little strange. Um, (laughs) I guess I'm like, but not, he was very, I don't know. He, it was obviously before some of his own personal evolution. Um, of when I had originally discovered him and uh, uh, with Dress to Kill (laughs) because that one is amazing. Um, But anyway, the thing that comes out of that is it is so nice and this is what Dropout TV, like specifically Game Changer Games was doing for me also and it's continuing to do but like they're only releasing one every two weeks so it's like not enough right now Um, is sometimes there just has to be a place that you can still laugh, Right? laughing is good for you like physically good for you mentally good for you it it does things to our brain chemistry like sometimes you just have to have a place to laugh and for me right now that is whose line is in it anyway and except that uh this monday it will be the new episode of noise boys
1: 100 <laughs> percent.
0: anyway cool tell me what is giving you life outside of gaming
1: What's given me life, um, and this I just experienced last night. So I'm still mm-hmm. fresh yeah, on you, this. Yeah, you um, are
0: like the life is glowing out of you on this one. I've been i been hearing about it.
1: <laughs> yes, I. So I heard about this. I heard about this film on TikTok, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go check it out this weekend. And um, I got uh, Bob and Jerry to watch it with me. And so the movie is RRR. That's three R's. Mm-hmm. Okay, RRR. It is. Um, it is a Hollywood. Um, is a tollywood action movie um so it's from india and and specifically um tollywood is uh indian cinema that is in um uh what is it the uh telugu um uh, language and um The movie. I want to. I'm going to try so hard not to give anything away about this movie, but I'll just. I'll. I'll steal the line from Wikipedia. Right. It is a fictional story about two real life Indian revolutionaries, uh, Raju and Bream. Uh, and their fight against the British Raj. Set in 1920, the plot explores the undocumented period in their lives where both revolutionaries um, kind of were like, they kind of dropped off the grid mm-hmm. before they, like before history kind of picked up where they were. Sure. And so the idea of the story is like, well, what if these two met? Right. Right. And what would that be like? And this movie is like... It is so hard. So first of all, it's three hours long, right? So, so much happens in this movie. But it is like a story of friendship and betrayal and um, revolutionaries. And the action sequences are like, they're completely over the top and amazing. There are dance numbers. There is like everything you could want. Romance. Like it is all packed into, into this movie. The two leads, their friendship is so amazingly captured in this movie. Uh, I, oh, it, it, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm out of words, right? Because I'm afraid I'm just going to tell you stuff about this movie. It also has a killer soundtrack. I went and found the soundtrack on, online. It, it, the soundtrack is amazing. All I can say is this without me blowing up and gushing about it, go to YouTube. Find the official trailer for RRR. I'm going to make you watch it. Yep,
0: I was like, I Um, see something coming in my future.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you watch it. I may make you watch it right after the um, Bamboo Lounge. Okay,
0: but you have. But anyway, but bread. We'll get there. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, (laughs) It is so good. Do not be thrown off by its three-hour length. It will never feel like a three-hour movie. Um, nothing. It just it moves the entire time. You are not bored at any moment in this movie. What um, you got to watch it with subtitles? Perfectly fine. Um, Netflix did a really nice job Subtitles super easy to like keep up with and they do this and they do the subtitles for most of the songs nice um, which is really good because honestly the opening song of the movie is basically them just telling you the plot of this movie sure like it's great like they just <laughs> they just open like you listen to the first song and you're like ah okay this is where this is going this and is then assume, even knowing that yeah. even knowing that you're going to be like oh no 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 like please no it, it was everything I could have wanted in a movie, um, and more. And I have not been this excited about a movie probably since Endgame. Right? I probably haven't been this excited about a new movie since Endgame. Um, and honestly, I would put this on par with Endgame. Wow! If not, if not, even more. On Twitter, um, I I tweeted out um, that Sam and Frodo have been uh, displaced as the best movie bromance. That has ever occurred because um because uh Ram and Bream are easily the best bromance you will ever see and on you will see in cinema. And if you just watch just uh oh, I don't everything. Everything about this movie, the actors, their chemistry, um, their looks, like they are so cool looking at every moment of this um of this movie and the action is completely um over the top in the best ways possible. It has some really like 300 uh like moments of of fighting uh interspersed with all this other stuff. There's so much in this movie. It's 3 hours. It's so much in this movie. I can't rave about this movie enough. So take a breath. <laughs> Stay calm. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like ready to watch it again like I don't have three hours to watch it again but like I want to watch this movie again like I am that excited to like put it back on and, and watch it again and I am 100% gonna make you watch this at some point
0: yeah it's fine
1: but like my I was like oh when I come to visit you I'm gonna like we'll sit and watch it but I'm like oh we're, we're, I don't know if we can watch it on such a small screen like
0: right. well can- I'll chat with you I got some like basement rearranging potential that's in the we midst. might need a
1: bigger TV it's, for this. Uh, like, it's
0: a whole, it's a whole thing, it's a whole yeah. thing. Haven't dealt anyway. with it.
1: <laughs> anyway, totally giving me life. Um, so enjoyable. I, 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 I would just tell you it's on Netflix. Um, it's not hard to find if you just start if you start searching. Just type three R's. Um, it pops right up. So chef's kiss. Amazing. Good. Good. Um, good. Anyway, uh, fantastic. Cool. All right. That is, um, that's our show, um, for this chit chat episode. Um, in order for us to move on to the closing Sunda's about to based on the look on her face make up I
0: totally am. A, uh, yeah you don't have- make
1: a make up a, a blurb about another show on the Mister yeah. mark network
0: you know we're talking about improv a lot today so we're just gonna we're just gonna go with it right um,
1: improv one out for me
0: yeah um it's just a question of which one' sure so on the gnome cast uh, you can catch a bunch of gnomes. Um, We usually chat about things that we've written about, um, but not always. And sometimes there are interviews. I will just say, I just teased up there's an interview coming up. Um, And uh, the whole point is to entertain you, get a quick dive through a brief topic um, from a bunch of different perspectives, and hopefully avoid getting tossed in the stew, just because, you know... It's hot in there, and also...
1: It's summertime. Nobody wants, nobody wants to be, boiling be like a stew. For the summer, it should be like the... Like, like you gazpacho. <laughs> yeah, should us be gazpacho. Tosses a gazpacho. Right?
0: Um, but, uh, yeah, and some of us don't have access to the, like, trap door in the bottom and have to, like, climb back out the top. Um, yes. So you should check out the Gnomecast. It's fun. It's fun. I'm I'm frequently there as well, as is Phil.
1: Indeed. Cool. Um, say Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well,
0: you can find us on Twitter at pandas talk games. You can find us in the misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can find us by email, a panda at misdirectedmark.com. And if you want to go on a treasure hunt, you can find us on the Tiki talkies, but it's our personal handles. <laughs> um, and Phil, once they find us in any of those places, what can they do with that information?
1: Absolutely based on the normal format of our show, send us a question, a topic, something you'd like to hear us talk about um, so that we uh, can put some information together for you. As you know, if you've listened to any of these episodes, uh, our goal is to help you enjoy GMing and playing more. Um, we do that by taking the things that you find either not fun to do, challenging, etc. And try to come up with some ways to make it easier or understand what's going on, that kind of thing, because knowledge is power. Um, And in doing so, we hope that it actually makes things more enjoyable, because the simple fact is this is the way this hobby works. We need GMs to run games, and the more that um, you enjoy GMing, the more games you will run, the more people who will get to play, the more different games you may play. You don't have to, but runs a chance that you probably will. And um, that keeps the hobby going. So um, we want to help you uh, do that. So um, again, topics, things, you know, any challenges, questions, topics, whatever, throw them our way. We love to dig into them. Okay. If uh, you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider joining our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com mmp. Patrons get access to our Slack Room for Life. That's pretty delightful. You get access to the Misdirected Mark After Show. You get access to the um, Bamboo Lounge. Uh, We are also starting to drop some video content for patrons. Um, We're in the process. The Misdirected Mark is kind of doing some new stuff with recording and some new stuff with video. And certain chunks of that are starting to get... um, Put into our Slack room and, or you know, are going to be packaged up for our patrons. So we're kind of ramping that effort up a bit. Um, there are you can on right now on YouTube. You can catch uh, a couple definition pandas um, on YouTube, including the panda. Including
0: head. one where he's actually got the panda on. Yes.
1: Yeah, not while I'm recording no, it because you can't. It would be all muffled very and stuff. But it anyway, is, it
0: is a structured helmet of a head. It is a. It's huge. It is a full-on like mascot-style panda head.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah it is exactly that. Okay. Um, if you like what we do, I, you know, you can support our uh, Patreon. It, listen, it helps us. Um, honestly, you know, we have costs, right? There are operating expenses for keeping this network going. We need to cover them, um, and so your contributions are what makes that possible. And we are eternally thankful for your ability to um, help patron the show. Okay, that all aside. Um, if you're patroning the show, thank you very much. We appreciate it greatly. If you're unable to, we totally understand. There is another thing you can do. Helps us immensely, um, and it uses a little bit of your time, but not your cash. Senda, what is that thing?
0: Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, or all the podcatchers of your choice. I don't know. You won't catch me complaining. You just copy paste that thing wherever you want. <laughs> It's great. Exactly. Yeah, tell everybody. Um, So basically, if you spread the word about the show, we really appreciate that. That is actually how we get uh, new listeners most of the time. Sometimes it's from reviews. A lot of times it's also from just, you know, when somebody on Twitter or wherever says, hey, I'm looking for new shows about RPGs. Um, Hey, if you feel so inclined and you think that we are representing well uh, podcasting and RPGs and answering questions, toss our name in there. We really do get um, a lot of new folks that way as well. And we really appreciate it. And we really appreciate everybody for listening. Makes us feel really happy. Thank you.
1: Indeed, indeed. Say, Sander, when... Am I going to sit and watch RRR with you? That's got to
0: happen. Are we going to do it online, or are we going to do it in person? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got. Me what you've got. Yeah.
1: Hello! Hello! <laughs> I wore the panda Hello. head the other day. Hello!
0: I know I saw it.
1: Oh, I've thing. done
0: the thing with the cord. That's going to be bad sounds. There we go. Yeah, the panda head. Well, you don't actually. We have an hour before you need to address the bread.
1: Yeah, so we should we t- just enough linger. time to do an episode. Yes, we should it.
0: linger. It's okay. been a
1: long time since I've rock and rolled. Okay, here we go.